0: Welcome to Juice Guru Radio. Discover what the magic and power of juicing can do for you. And now, your host, best-selling author of The Complete Idiot's Guide to Juice Fasting, Steve Prusak.
1: Hello and welcome. Welcome to another edition of Juice Guru Radio. I'm your host Steve Kruzak. We're so excited. We've got Carol Howe here. She's going to take us through a course in miracles, what that has done for her life, We we'll learn all about it and how she actually helped to a uh, biography or actually write the biography of the founder of that course. We're going to hear all about it on this edition of Juice Guru Radio brought to you by Try Best, Making Healthy Living Easy with Carol Howe. And let's welcome to the show right now, Carol Howe. She's an author, master teacher, and world-renowned expert on A Course of Miracles, which they call ACIM. It's a self-study course for finding peace of mind through healing relationships. Now, she was a close friend and biographer of Dr. Bill Thetford, who actually helped bring ACIM into the world. She wrote his biography, Never Forget to Laugh, and is also the author of her own book, Healing the Hurt Behind Addictions. Now, throughout her 40-year career with ACIM, she's helped many thousands of people on their journey to inner peace. She's going to help us find inner peace in this chaotic world here today. Carol, welcome to Juice Guru Radio. Thank you ever so kindly. I'm just delighted to be here. Well, I'm really excited to start with you and your journey, how you found A Course in Miracles, uh, maybe a little synopsis of that and what it did for your life.
0: Oh, my goodness gracious. Well, I am actually rented this material 40 years ago this month. I read the very first article that was written about it. It had only been published less than a year. And it, I read not only the article, but it included the introduction to the text. I read the introduction to the text, and I had been on my search, as many of us are, for a long time. I read that, and I thought, this is it. I ordered it, and I, as I picked up those books when they were arrived in the mail, I intuitively knew if I get what this material is about my search is over and that turned out to be true now it was a great big long journey shall we say but that material supplied everything that's needed to really completely revolutionize your life
1: for those that are new to the work what is it really what does that uh, course dive into
0: A Course in Miracles, first of all, it doesn't mean what one might think of like turning um, water into wine or something like that. It's not about physical phenomenon. It's about substantively changing our minds. And it rests on the premise that peace of mind underlies everything. And if we don't have peace of mind, basically life can't work. So it's about helping us regain our peace, which we lose very early on. And it's long because it's not about learning material. If you had to learn everything that's in those books, it would take you forever. It is a spiritual technology for rewiring your brain. And so there are a lot of repetitive lessons and they're highly effective.
1: Well, you know, some of the things we talk about is, I mean, it's not information alone. We talk about, you know, we want to get healthier, drink juices, change our diet, but it's not information alone that helps people to change. So why is it that people can't decide on a healthy diet and how to stick to it?
0: You know, that's a great question. And when people think, well, okay, I'm just going to do this. They have no idea the power of our early programming. It's like an intellectual choice is trying to run up against programming that's built in for survival, so to speak. In other words, when we don't feel good about ourselves, You know, the brain hears that as danger. And what it does then is turn on the stress response. Well, once the stress response is turned on, I'm pretty much in survival mode. And you know what? That back part of my brain and the front part, the neocortex that allows us to be an adult and make wise decisions and so on turns off. Because if we're trying to survive, we don't need all the fancy stuff. We don't need to digest food. We don't need to do long-term elder generation. In other words, the body responds to those kinds of thoughts as if, you know, the lion is chasing the gazelle or something like that. So until we come to a place within ourselves where we are more and more and more comfortable and happy with who we are and and are feeling much better than we ever had before, I can't keep that stress response settled. And if I can't keep it settled, I cannot make wise choices. I can't
1: do it. It's an impossibility. That makes sense? Well, you talk about getting to that place of peace of mind and how that can help us make better health choices. How does that play in?
0: A lot of times our choices, our food choices, are addictions. In other words, the, the the inappropriate things we eat or the ways we eat, you know, the ways we eat when we're not really hungry and so on and so forth, are dealing with the upset emotional state that having our stress response turned on creates. Because once the brain hears that we're not safe, it creates adrenaline, cortical steroids and so on to try to not only give us energy to run away... It also is taken up in the cells of the body and creates our emotional state of upset, of, uh, of worry, of anger, of grief. In other words, it creates all of these feelings. And then because we haven't been taught what to do with those, we eat. We eat inappropriately. We drink. We, we, we run to all of our addictions. And so that's why I'm not going to be able to make the wisest eating choices or the wisest a lot of other choices if I'm trying to deal with an emotional state that's upsetting.
1: Well, what are some of the keys you teach to get us into that state of well-being and peace? I mean, there's a lot of chaos uh, in, with our emotions and, and externally in the world. There's a lot that we deal with every day.
0: Absolutely. And one of the things that the course helps us see is that outside events don't cause this upset feeling. In other words, an upset feeling is a function of our thought process. Now, this is, you know, a gigantic topic for a short little period of time, but in a nutshell, what happens is most of us learn erroneously when we're little that there's maybe something the matter with us, that we're not okay, that we don't quite measure up, that no matter how hard we try, we can't do what we need to do. So this is basically kind of an unstable or unsafe feeling that comes along with us as we mature. And then we have all of our defense strategies to try to hide from that. But one of the things that we believe is that my upset state is caused by something out here, which it really isn't. In other words, it's my inner response or my interpretation to what's going on. So if I could begin to see that it's really my inner responses that cause me to be afraid, not what I'm seeing on the news, then my response is going to be very different. You see, what's interesting now is that the world at large is very chaotic, and some people are terrified, and others are living their lives perfectly happily, you know, making their contributions to society and eating right and doing the things that are healthy in many ways. And you think, if the outside events cause the way we feel, then we would all be feeling the same thing. You see what I'm saying? In other words, everybody who watched the news would be having the same response. But there's an entire range. There's like 180 degree range of responses that people are having, which should make us ask, how come? How come people are feeling safe and happy and doing their work? And it's not because they're stupid or living in a cave and are not informed about what's going on. It's that their response to it is different.
1: Got it. So we've got these triggers, um, you know, however they come out and whatever happened from childhood, you know, we can get triggered into that negative mind space based on past stories. How do we start to reprogram for positive success? Well, that's
0: just exactly what A Course in Miracles is for. And there are other systems and so on. And this one just happens to be the most comprehensive. And it starts out by helping us see the quality of, of outer lives. The thesis is our um, outer life is a mirrored reflection of our inner state of mind. And so it then goes through this process of trying to give us things to contemplate because contemplation is... Is how you change your brain's wiring. In other words, it's not meditation where your mind gets quiet and it's not trying to learn a bunch of stuff, which is an intellectual process. It's to take an idea, let's say an idea that you are valuable and beloved and and as you were created, let's say that. And so it's like you're asked to do exercises to focus your attention on that because we spend so much time focusing on our attention on what's not right about us or what's not right about someone else, we have to be led to thinking an absolutely opposite way. So here's the fascinating thing about the neuroplasticity of the brain, which is it's very happy to reprogram. In other words, it's easy to reprogram. And so if we will take an idea like what if I really am valuable and good and beloved, and it doesn't matter what my inappropriate behaviors may have been, at the core of my being, the spirit presence of us, the invisible nature of us is not touched by our behavior. And so We're still clean, innocent, good, powerful, etc. etc. Well, can you imagine that if you spend even 15 seconds at a time contemplating that idea, in other words, giving it all of your undivided attention, your brain starts to rewire? And that rewiring doesn't compete with, I'm no good, it replaces that idea. It's marvelous to see how both quantum physics and and neuroscience and so on is supporting this ancient wisdom, which is what A Course in Miracles is. It's like it's the same system or belief in non-duality that has been passed down to us for 5,000 years. This is just a modern restatement, basically, of the truth.
1: Are you basically saying that we're wired almost to to see like what's wrong or, you know, to, to focus on the negative rather than the positive? And where does that come from?
0: You know, part of it comes from, and this is some new epigenetics, part of it is at conception when we inherit our ancestral lines, the DNA, if you will, some of our DNA is closed because we've got ancestors who were afraid, felt guilty, and so on. And so we take that on. Then let's say another little quick idea. Um, Let's say uh, you're two and you're having a temper tantrum because at two, you can't say what's going on with you. You can't talk. You can't express anything. So you scream and yell. So if you have parents who don't understand early childhood development, and that would be a whole lot of parents, and and that child is either told to be quiet or they're punished or they're sent to their rooms or whatever may happen that's an inappropriate response instinctively. The fact, see, we're young animals, among other things, and young animals are trying to survive. They're trying to move away from what's painful and toward what feels better. So we start a shutting down process. We start misconnecting the dots that there's something the matter with us. And then let's say you get to be four and you spill the milk and an upset parent says, you are such a clumsy kid. There's no front part of the brain to be able to say, I am not a clumsy kid. My mother's having a bad day. In other words, there's no self-talk. There's no ability. The brain isn't functioning yet. Everything was going in in an unfiltered way. So what is known now, and I have found it dealing with thousands of people that I've done counseling with, that every single one of us, by the time we get to be six or seven years old, have misconnected these dots about ourselves. And we have interpreted things to believe that we're not okay in some way. In other words, that we're undeserved or we can't do things right. And then once we believe that, and you see it's wired in so early that it never occurs to us, and this is the tragic part, it never occurs to us that this isn't the truth. See, we don't have anything else to compare to in those early years. And so we grow up through our middle years, our high school, college years, and we get to be young adults and the front part of the brain that allows that filtering and and executive functioning, so to speak, delayed gratification and whatnot, we get to be young adults. And all of this then seems like this must be the truth about me. Nobody ever says, could this be wrong? Could I really be this lovely, wonderful, innocent, brilliant person? It doesn't hurt us. You know, Socrates said, the unexamined life is not worth living. And what happens is we get to be young adults and we don't question this. And then we move through our earlier years and on into our maturity with a foundational belief about ourselves and our place in the world that's in error. It's not criminal and it's not evil, but it's entirely false. And that leaves us, and you see, somewhere inside your heart where you're not willing to go or talk about or anything else, you feel like you're not okay. It keeps you in a chronically stressed States. is why the goal of this course is to settle all this down. In other words, to reframe, or like virtually in 180 degrees, what we think about ourselves and our fellow human beings, recognizing that the bad behavior that we see out there, you know, either in our own families, within ourselves, or on television or whatever, is the result of people who are frightened. Frightened animals are vicious. We grow up with this idea that I'm not okay, I'm endangered, if somebody finds out who I really am, all is lost kind of thing. Then we're resorting to those very primitive techniques, so to speak, which just make everything worse rather than better. So well, if we had an awareness not only of ourselves but about everybody else we could be more generous in our understanding of what drives people to do what they do. Now that doesn't in any way condone bad behavior. That doesn't say what you're doing is just fine with me. That's not talking about that. It's it's understanding origin. And in our own minds, because what happens in our own minds is incredibly powerful. But if in our own minds, we felt understanding, we felt, I understand where this baby comes from. And you know what? I wish all my fellow human beings well. I wish well the people who are crazy, the people who are violent the people who are trying to do the right thing. In other words, across the whole spectrum of humankind, if I'd realize if we were wired the same way they are, we'd do the same. (laughs) In other words, they're living out of their wiring and their programming and their conditioning. It's kind of like we act like robots. So, and here's the great value to us and the way we can make a difference in a world that seems to be such a big mess is what I pay attention to in my mind, is way more powerful than we ever imagined. So if what I pay attention to is I really want the best for every human being there is, my peace of mind deepens and grows And my life gets better and better and better. So not only because there's a very fundamental law of the world, so to speak, that says what I give, I receive. And We're not talking about money and stuff. We're talking about attitudes as well. So if what I give to someone else is um, a charitable perspective, so to speak, I wish them well. I want them to succeed. I want them to finally be at peace themselves. That real passionate desire on my part always becomes my experience. In other words, I will experience what I want for someone else. Now, look at the big problem of what I wish for someone else is something terrible happens to them. They're horrible people. I hope they suffer forever, you know, either generically or with specifics. Oh, dear. What a dangerous perspective to have because we call all sorts of stuff down on our own heads, so to speak. It's not like Amazon. This is my favorite example. I'm sure I'll use it forever. If you order something from Amazon, you can say, Bill, to me, but shift to them. You can't do that with your thoughts. Whatever those thoughts are, you might say, I'm thinking these thoughts because they're so awful. You know, I hope something awful happens to them. Oh dear, there's something awful because the thoughts are in our minds and there's no way that you can tell the universe, I'm going to think about this suffering, but please deliver it to their front yard. It doesn't work that way. If it's in my mind, it's a prayer for me. Can you see what a difference that would make if that very,
1: very fundamental
0: idea were really understood and practiced?
1: It's um it's eye-opening for, <laughs> for sure. Um, especially when um well, a couple of things, and it brings up a lot of things for me personally and from when like when we're dealing with people that maybe they're doing wrong to someone we love and we're just you know, we have to sit there and watch like an ex-husband or something like that. Like, how do we get into that space of peace? How do we not? And whoever, if you're listening to the show and you have people in your life that are like that and it sounds good in theory, but how do we get to that space? And it's true because we know that stress leads to disease and that, that what we're thinking there can actually kill us. It absolutely can and does. There's no doubt about it. That's not just a
0: theory. That's like totally proven fact because when you're upset and angry on a chronic basis, you really totally screw up your whole uh, body chemistry. You know, you shut this down, you interfere with this because the brain doesn't know. If there's a real danger, it doesn't know if a saber-toothed tiger is really about to jump in the wind or if you're upset because your boyfriend left. In other words, it doesn't know. All it knows is you've told it, I'm in danger. I'm not safe. You know, things aren't the way I want them to be. And so, so far as everybody obviously runs into issues that are disturbing for them, you know, whether it's looking far afield, although the most disturbing tend to be our own immediate challenging relationships. In other words, most people would say, yeah, in other words, with all the people who come to me, almost nobody comes and says, I'm worried about the weather. <laughs> you know, it's like, I, I'm upset with my children, my husband. It, it, it's a relationship thing. And the reason why, and of course this really requires hours and hours and hours, the reason what's happening, the reason why we are upset in the presence of someone, I'm not going to say we're upset by them. We're saying that whatever their behavior is, let's just make up a word and say, I can't stand that person because they're so manipulative. You know, we could just choose any word, but we'll use that as an example. Well, their manipulative behavior is not causing my upset. You know what is? The manipulative behavior I see in them is triggering a fear of and a guilt about my own manipulative behavior behavior at some point and that's where the stress and the worry is coming from is from my guilt so the people we don't like are sitting around like mirrors mirroring to things things that i may feel guilty about which is ruining my peace of mind that i'm not consciously aware of so a somebody will show up and is mirroring sometimes my unconscious guilt that you can rest assured that every relationship situation in our lives, as a friend used to say, fits us like a tailor-made Hong Kong suit. (laughs) In other words, whatever is going on with somebody, if we find it disturbing, it's something going on with us as well, which gives us an opportunity to do our healing. Now, if we say, I'm fine, you're the problem, and I hate you, or you need to be fixed, or whatever, then we've missed an opportunity to do our own healing. We've missed the opportunity to say, hum, I see that person, I'm dishonest. So we could use this as a place to deepen our pain or we can use our relationships as an opportunity to release ourselves, to release ourselves to release them, and, you know, what is fascinating and what really seems miraculous is when one person in a troublesome relationship does their inner work, you know, starts to change their minds about themselves, takes responsibility for what's going on with them, even if the other party lives in another state, doesn't know anything at all about the self-discovery that's going on with this person, everybody gets it. Because our change of mind is not local. it doesn't just sit around your head, you know it's kind of like available throughout the universe. And the number of people who have said they call or they write or something and say, "I can't believe this. I've changed my mind about me, and everybody around me has gotten to be so different. Well, they get to be different because we are changing our minds. It's such a powerful thing. you know, when you put all these pieces together, And you can fully appreciate the power of our thought, the the, the fact that, you see, we tend to think, well, whatever I think doesn't matter. You know, it's in my mind, it's invisible, it's private, nobody knows about it. It's like nothing could be further from the truth. It's like my attitude, my beliefs, my thoughts are kind of like turned out here as my world. (laughs) It's like nothing could be more public in a sense than what my state of mind is because it makes up the elements of my world. So, wow, becoming acquainted with what we really believe and what our responses are to things and say, could it be that I need to look more closely at the relationship between what I think, what I believe, what's happening in my life? What if I need to reconnect these dots from a more aware, more mature point of view? But it completely changes your life.
1: Well, it's almost like we obviously can learn in these relationships. And I've seen even in my own life through certain friends that don't want to get close to people in relationships. That might be a way of not actually confronting all these, um, you know, the deep inner work that can come with relationships. We don't have that mirror coming at us. And we're kind of, you know, we can go through life uh, like a robot.
0: You are brilliant. That is exactly right. In other words, our relationships can become treasures where they were just awful before. In other words, and they do serve us in a way that that nothing else does. So, yes, it's like our relationships uh, prod us, if you will, to our growing and our healing. And you might say, I don't want to grow and I don't want to be prodded. It's like, well, then you can't experience the richness of life that's your heritage. You know, in other words, if we're living this defended, I'm going to shut down and not let anybody get close to me and I'm not going to get close to them because we have this confused about where the hurt really comes from. It comes from within us and if we're going to pretend like it comes from them and I barricade myself as if to keep the herd at bay, what I'm doing is shutting myself down, not allowing myself to love, not allowing myself to grow. So yes, we need to have a very different, as you call it, a very different attitude toward what we call our troublesome relationships. Because you know what? Once we get through the learning they provide, we see them as our greatest gifts. Now, nobody sees them at their greatest gifts in the beginning. But I'll tell you, I wouldn't trade any one of my, shall we say, difficult learning situations for anything in the world
1: because of the freedom. Love it. So uh, we always like to, to wind down with like three action steps we can take. So what are three action steps we can take to start resetting, a uh, deprogramming, uh, you know, starting anew?
0: Okay, the first thing we have to do,
1: and this is key. I always think
0: of things as we've got um, like the short-term emergency, we have to do this right now thing, and then the long-term. Those are in in the beginning, and that is we are habituated to not feeling how we feel. So when we're upset or afraid in our culture and in others as well, We have been taught both specifically and deliberately, kind of like never let them see you sweat kind of thing. And it's just kind of in the water supply of our culture that if we're not happy and smiling and up all the time, there's something the matter with us. And so we have deeply, deeply ingrained, terrible programming about hiding how we feel Holding things in, you know, depression, all that kind of stuff is like it takes a huge amount of physical energy to hold back how you feel. So, the first thing we have to do is go exactly the opposite direction instead of hating it, holding it in, doing everything and running to all of our addictions so that we don't have to feel is finally welcoming how we feel. It seems so counterintuitive. People think, oh, well, if I do that, then I'm going to have it forever. No, notice that by not doing that, you're already now having it forever. So what happens is that if you open up to, turn off your mind, this is not an intellectual process. It's just in the way. If you try to think, where did this come from? Where is it going away? Who's responsible for this? And so on. But you just, just allow it to happen. Just allow this feeling to be here with no judgment. It will, al- it will allow the body chemistry to reach its own settled place. And, and it know, there's, a, there's an automatic process that knows how to do this. This would be like if we took a bite of food or you drank some of your wonderful juice and then you tied a knot in your esophagus and said, I'm not going to let the digestive process finish and do its work. <laughs> it's like you would say, well, that's certainly an insane thing. Well, that's kind of what we do. We create the body chemistry that's, that's creating the upset. And then we say, it's not okay with us to feel how we feel, which is the result of all of this. So if we would just befriend it, welcome it, this is no problem. I'm going to let this be here. We need to be entirely, re- I, I am never ceased to be astounded as to how virtually every human being gets this wrong. People, at least in our culture where we're taught this, and it can happen so quickly. This is what I would want to assure everybody about because a lot of times people will call me and they've got their problem about whatever. And so we deal with it a little bit and I make the suggestion to them, they follow my guidance with this. And let's say we're 45 minutes into this and I'll say, now how do you feel? Like what's happened to that pressure that was in your chest or the something in your throat and it's like, it feels so much better. It's like, well, you have just made my case. You have just changed your mind, refocused that fast. Your body chemistry has changed and you, and you are now my exhibit A. <laughs> in other words, we can spend years fighting against feelings, which we keep generating, And in the shortest amount of time sometimes, sometimes in a matter of minutes, sometimes hours, days, depends, but in a very short period of time, comparatively speaking, you breathe, you allow it to be there, you stop thinking about it, you you realize this is part of a process and you let it go. That's the short-term thing. It's, that would be like if you sliced yourself in the kitchen cooking. You don't go, I wonder how I did that. I wonder if I need to go buy some new knives. It's like you go to the emergency room and you get yourself sewed up. Then you can come back and go, okay, how did this happen? So once these feelings are dealt with, then we look and go, I believe a lot of things that are false They're not bad or evil are incorrect. They're thoughts about myself and others that are too small that are causing these upset feelings. But once the feelings are there, I must deal with the feelings. But of course, the long-term plan has got to be I must keep changing my mind. I must keep reprogramming so that I have a happier and happier and broader and more accurate assessment. See, we're not making up stories that aren't true. The actual fact of the matter is we're brilliant, we're beloved, we haven't damaged the universe like in in reality, so to speak. We do deserve to live a lovely, blessed, happy life. And so as I keep upgrading, so to speak, my worldview, my view of myself, the way I'm going to relate with my fellow human being, I'm going to have less and less and less upset because I'm not creating the upset because I'm changing my mind ever so gradually sometimes, but the cumulative effect is huge. So that's what we all have to do in the long term is keep regarding ourselves more highly and everyone else more highly, more deserving, more, more brilliant, more talented with way more to offer than we've ever imagined. And as we do that, you will find that your, your whole emotional uh, state settles and that peace of mind, which really is our inheritance and that's always there, uh, becomes the norm. Instead of, oh, every once in a while I'm peaceful, it's like, basically I'm peaceful all the time. Maybe I have a little upset going on here or there. And it is so lovely to live that way. If we're, and if we're interested in making our contribution to the world, not just to our own private lives, that's the way to do it.
1: And is there a forgiveness to the people that did us wrong from when we were little to the people that are doing us wrong now? And a forgiveness to ourselves for anything yes. we might have reacted.
0: To? Yes. And you know what? Forgiveness is a much misunderstood word because in our world, we think it's OK that you were such a mess. In other words, it was OK that you hurt me that's not forgiveness. That has nothing to do with forgiveness. That's pardoning, but it's not forgiveness. Forgiveness is a releasing of the ideas in my own mind. It's a letting go of the grievance in the first place. It's recognizing that if person A over here um, insulted me in some way, I have to recognize he was mirroring my own self-insulting, so to speak. So what I want to do is let go of the grievances that I hold against myself and the other party, because that means I'm releasing this garbage out of my mind. And when that is out of my mind, my life clears up. So real forgiveness is really a releasing and a healing in my own mind. And of course, that has an absolute immediate effect on the other people as well. It's that literally it reflects in the other people. It's like I never do my healing only for myself alone. All, it, it affects everybody else as well.
1: Love it. And the third step I know is the best guide ever to A Course in Miracles, which you're offering for free. And we're going to have a link. If you're yeah. listening on Juice Guru Radio, it'll be under the show notes at juicegururadio.com with Carol Howe, and you'll find it there. Um, and if you're watching now, we're going to include that link for you I'll actually tell you what it is. But what is this? This is your latest book, and it's the best guide ever to A Course in Miracles? Well,
0: and it's a little ebook. It's about 30 or 40 pages long because it's a, um, it's a very little brief thing about how it works and why it works and why it's in our best interest to change our minds, which is really what it's all about. So it's either a summary for people who are already students, or it just gives an idea as to why this could be helpful to anyone you know, no matter what your situation is. Because here's the thing that I have run into, and this is why it's also for people who are current students of the course, is that because it's called a course and because we're used to thinking we learn things and that that's how we're going to be better off, we tend to try to learn this material rather than practice it, not realizing this is really a spiritual practice not a big batch of material to be learned. You will learn it as a result of the practice. But if you try to learn it before the practice, you're just going to drive yourselves crazy. So a lot of people have been around the course for a long time, but they haven't gotten the most out of it that they might have because they're not approaching it the right way. They're not really understanding that this is a rewiring, a reconditioning, reprogramming process. So that's why it's just for everybody.
1: Are you familiar with other technologies like uh, EST or um, Landmark? And is is this along the same
0: line? It is much more comprehensive than those. There, there are elements in a lot of things, whether it's F, many, many things, many very good processes and courses and things. This is kind of like the mother of all of those. <laughs> you can find all of those as, you might say, part of a component part, if you will, or you will find something that is similar to. But this is, um, this is a teaching of non-duality, which says there really is one consciousness, we're all part of that one consciousness. We aren't really the separate little things that we appear to be. And the thing that makes this different from all of the other uh, teachings of non-duality that have come down through the centuries is its focus on healing relationships. Because what you just mentioned earlier, that relationships can show us so much about ourselves and so much letting go can happen relatively quickly uh, comparatively speaking. so that it's the only one that focuses on re- on healing relationships. And th- there's a there's a place and of course the course is very poetic so I'm not saying this in a poetic way. it says peace and joy and understanding are like a package deal. They all come together. And so if you're not experiencing deep peace and if you're not joyous, presume you understand nothing. <laughs> which is kind of a nice level of the playing field. It's like, if you're not having those experiences, then there is something that you don't understand about yourself and how life works, which is why our big online course series is called See How Life Works. I've spent my entire life studying not only the course, but before that, all those other things that you mentioned, everything there was to Study, you know, whether it was body work, whether it was yoga, whether it was psychic stuff. Well, I mean, every single thing where you can explore it. Because when I was a little, little girl before I was old enough to go to school, I thought something's missing here. Something's not right. And I'm going to find out what it is. And so I have spent basically my whole life. I mean, I've had other jobs. I was a systems engineer with IBM and taught school and high school and college and so on and so forth. But in the background and then finally in the foreground, Finding out how all these pieces come together has been my life's mission. And of course, it's my great joy to pass that on so that you don't have to spend 50 years, you know, lifting up every single leaf and trying to find out what's going on underneath it. So that's what my work is about, is like pass on how to
1: more quickly have the happy life that is your you birthright. Love it. Carol Howe, how do our viewers and listeners get a hold of you, follow your work, and what have you got coming? Okie
0: dokie, we go to my website, which is carolhow.com, carolhow com. and books are there. There's a lot of free material there. Not only this little free ebook, but I'm recording for the first time, I don't know why it's taken me so long, all of the daily lessons, because there are 365 lessons for each of the 365 days, although you certainly don't have to start on January 1, you start whenever you start. So I'm recording those with a little commentary, and those are posted daily. Those are free. I've created 39 or 40 podcasts, which are um, using stories to make really important metaphysical points. I have also have a series, which I was doing weekly. that's now monthly because I'm so unbelievably busy called Finding Peace with Carol Howe, where I do a counseling session and these people, you know, give me permission to record them, you know, sign a release and so on. So it's like you have a chance to listen in on these counseling sessions so that you can find out, like, here are people, these are people I don't know, you know, these are strangers to me. And you get an idea as to how you put these principles into practice with A financial problem, the health problem, the relationship problem, the, you know, my kids are driving me crazy problem. These are like real problems with real people. I don't know them until they dial in my telephone and we start to talk. They've sent me an email saying, can I please do this? You know, and here's my issue. You know, I was diagnosed with cancer last April or something like that. So anyway, all those are available. And then we have a fabulous online course. So in the menu, if you go to courses, it's called See how life works. It's the most comprehensive video exposition of the main principles in A Course in Miracles that exists on the planet. There are eight feature-length, professionally-produced, free-camera-shoot videos. So you've got about 16 hours of videos that cover how the Course came to be, how the ego develops in the first place, about relationships, about forgiveness, about guidance, about healing about how acceptance works, like how all this works. It's got animations in it. It's got big teaching props that I've built over the years. And by big, I mean big. One of them is 16 feet long <laughs> that kind of make the point. And I teach to a little class. or about between 12 and 16 people. So it's very interactive with all the people who are there as well. So it's unscripted, unrehearsed, you know, just the presentation of the material. And we've gotten astounding feedback. So, if you want to know not only about this is what the course is about, this is how life is. And this is what life is about. So, we've got lots and lots of stuff. When you live as long as I have, you've learned a lot of stuff and you have to pass it on.
1: What a gift. Carol Hell, thank you so much for joining us on JuiceGrow Radio, spreading the knowledge afar, and we're really excited. We'll include all the links at juicegrowradio.com under the show notes. You can check that all out. Carol, thank you for being here. Anything to say in closing that we didn't get to share or you know, a final message to our audience? I think the most final and
0: important and everlasting message that we need to hear is everybody listening, spend some time wherever you are now, just as soon as you have a quiet moment, focusing on the idea, you are still lovable, beloved. You have a right to be here. You have a gift to give. Become your own best cheerleader. And when that ego mind wants to go, blah, 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 here's what's the matter of thing, you can't do that. It's like, you are fired. You're a terrible counselor and I'm not listening to you anymore. I'm going to listen much more to the truth of my eternal lovability. I deserve a beautiful life. It's the, it's the best message you'll ever hear. And the truest.
1: Finding inner peace with Carol Hell. Thank you for being here, Carol. I'm Steve Prusek, and we'll see you on the next episode of Juice Guru Radio.
0: Thank you for listening to Juice Guru Radio. Find out more about us at JuiceGuruRadio.com. Until next time, get your juice on.